Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where freedom, health, and wholeness is our mission. In each episode, we will expose the lie that you are alone in your struggles and your pain. We share truth through our stories using the power of vulnerability and honesty, empowering you to live the life you are destined to live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the You're Not Alone podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris is laughing because of how I pronounce podcast it's like the minnesota just comes out yep. I, and i don't get no it's podcast and it's okay so, i am jamie and i'm chris and we are just having fun yes we are going to continue our story today we're on part three yeah and where we left off in our second episode was unpacking the details of that six-year season in missoula and how that ended so today we want to unpack what happened after we stepped down from our last position in Missoula and, you know, just what we had to work through from that point to, to get to where we are today. And I think a lot of this is going to be kind of focusing on kind of the emotions and the feelings that we felt because those definitely came in like a flood, mm-hmm. like especially for, for me. Well, not just for me. I think for all of us, we're dealing with this in a different way. For me, it was trying to navigate this feeling of loss. Like I had one dream, and that was to pastor a church in Missoula and trying to figure out, okay, what, who am I if that's not what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like we came in, like I had, I even said it um, multiple times, like this will be the last time I ever pastor. This will be the last church I ever pastor. I'm going to be buried here and die here. That was really my mentality. And I, we really thought that that's what God wanted. But then all of a sudden we find ourselves resigning and trying to put all that into a space that we could deal with it and unpack it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And then I think also the other thing we were dealing with was the, the, the feeling that we had failed. I think that for me was just an overriding thing. It's yeah. like, like, and I can honestly say going back to in ministry, like being the last guy out to lock the doors mm-hmm. was always a, was a fear that, that I had. I never wanted to mess up that bad. And there's even times when I even kind of judged people for being the last ones out. And here I am facing that fear. Yeah. And isn't that a good point though, is that when you go through your own devastating situation, you all of a sudden are like, wow, I used to look at people this way that went through something similar or whatever. It's like, it's very revealing when you're the one that is actually going through the hard thing. And, you know, until you've been through those hard things, you don't usually have a sense of, um, or a level of compassion for others who are going through that. And I think this has given us a whole new set of understanding, a whole new set of even skills of navigating disappointment, navigating loss and those feelings of failure. Mm -hmm. Because until you've really walked in that place where you on the outside look like you have failed. Yep. That was another thing that we were dealing with, especially me, is how are people perceiving me when they don't even know all the details that have happened? They don't know the things that we've walked through. And, you know, when people go through a failure, this wasn't a moral failure. This was a difficult situation. Yes, we made mistakes. Other people made mistakes. Um, There were things that that we would totally do, do differently today. So yeah, when you go through failure, you're left with the feelings of how are people perceiving me? 
not, I mean, aside from the fact that you're dealing with your own feelings of how, how did I not know how to do this better? Or how did, how did we end up here? Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's just sad when you don't know what other people are thinking of you because so many times you can misjudge other people's situations. Well, let's put this in a little bit of context again. I think we might have mentioned this in this other episode. Our church was on the busiest road in the city. And 40,000 cars drove by our church every day. It was known as the church with a sign. And so it was super noticeable. And when the network came in, they decided to to close the church. They put a giant for sale sign Mm -hmm. on the building. Well, they were going to go forward with the sale of the building to put the money back into um, planting churches. for within the network and so it wasn't a bad thing that they did but it was like um it was like all of a sudden wow for everyone to see in this community it's another um (laughs) it felt like a slap in the face to us like oh there you go you failed and everybody can see it you know what i mean and and what story are they believing or what rumors are being spread which there were rumors being spread i mean right after it happened i had people calling me and asking me if it was a moral failure if i was stealing money i mean there's all these it's hard because people often will assume the worst um sadly not knowing the full story like that's kind of human nature uh and so in, in in all reality, you can't control that. You can't control the story that people are going to believe. You can't control what other people are going to say. There's or, a level of trust that we have to have that the Lord is going to fight those battles. You can't run around trying to explain yourself to everybody. That's you, true. You the Lord is our defender. And yeah, you have to trust. And, and sometimes we're tempted to do that. But man, it's just relaxing in him. Yeah. And it is hard in those moments, for sure. It's not it's not easy. Yeah. So we're feeling all of these feelings. We're trying to figure out what to do. You know, our lifelong dream has just kind of come to an end, you know, and this is a hard thing with 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 pastors. It's like, you know, not only that, but our job. Like mm-hmm. our, our the way that we get paid, yeah. um, we'd already taken a huge hit from just where we're at as a church. We were already kind of living off of savings, mm-hmm. um, but there was a hope that we were going to be able to rebuild and move forward. And now that's gone. Yeah. And so we go and pastors. There's no unemployment. There's no nobody steps in to say here. Here's some help for for a season or whatever. Uh, you you just have you know. There's nothing. Yeah. See, and we we had all these prophetic words that we thought, you know, there's prophetic words that brought us there. There's there's definitely words that that sustained us, and it was just really really confusing. Yeah, and even in the last season, there we felt like that we had fresh new prophetic words that were we were following the Lord's voice for moving in the direction we were going in. We thought He was saying this thing, mm-hmm. but after all this happened, all of this all after all this came crashing down, it was like, wow, all of a sudden we could see in a different light how God did speak, but it actually looked different than we thought. Yeah, he was speaking, but our interpretation was kind of narrowed in on this one thing. And God's going, I'm bigger than all of this. Yeah. It's like, I see these things. I'm seeing things differently than what, because we had earlier that year, we had this, this, like the Lord said, I'm bringing in alignment. Mm-hmm. And sometime I'll share that whole story, but it, I mean, it's powerful over and over again, alignment, alignment through other people. And so we're like, oh yes, that alignment means we're finally going to grow the church and it's going to do all these things we want it to do. Well, God's alignment, he was speaking about our lives. He's speaking about my life in, in alignment. And even coming into um, 
um, the last sermons that we preached, mm-hmm. the last sermon that Jamie preached. Yeah, a few weeks before all of this happened, I was speaking uh, on a message. We were in a, a sermon series, and I was speaking about stewardship and like budgeting and you know financial things like that, and just really speaking to the fact that you know like we wouldn't have even been able to go to Missoula in that season had we not diligently stewarded what we had been given in the previous season. So mm-hmm. like we had learned to set money aside in an emergency fund. We had been diligent to be, um, to get out of debt, things like that. So, because we wouldn't have been able to take that position in Missoula and do all that we were able to do had we not done that in that previous oh, 100%. season. And so it was a message to the church at that time that I was giving to encourage them that, hey, we do need to prepare for the next season. Like this is a season of preparation. And yeah. that's that was another word that we felt that we had. We thought it was going to be a nine month to one year transition into yeah. the new thing too. And so you have to be diligent in preparation seasons. You can't just get to that next season and think that, oh, we're all ready to go. Right. And so, um, yeah, who knew that that would be a message and just an encouragement to us? Like, hey, you were diligent. Yeah. We, we were able to weather that season even after that happened. Like, we did still have our own savings. That it wasn't like a total crash and burn financially and in, in, in provision for for our family. Like, mm-hmm. we had some things to fall back on. But not only that, we had experienced receiving um being on the receiving end of the generosity of others we had amazing families that reached out to us that were super generous to give us gifts of money and different ways of sharing their love with us and so yeah that was a beautiful thing yeah because in those early days like you know pastors don't get unemployment you know, there's not, uh, um, you know, cushion for that. It's like you, you're an independent contractor, and if, when that finances dries up, it's it's just not there. And so we were able to rely on what we had. But then it was a neat season of us trusting the Lord to go out to the mailbox, and there's a six hundred dollar check yeah, from so somebody. It was even bigger than what we had done in our own power to do, you know, you know, partnering with God, obviously, but God wanted to shower his blessing on us through other people as well. And that's a beautiful thing, especially in your time of need. Yeah. So Jamie's, her last sermon that she preached was on, on stewardship. My last, and this is what's really funny. My last sermon was actually on the pruning effect of God Mm -hmm. and how that pruning can be painful and it can hurt, but it's for growth. And it it was, it really was, is it was myself and another one of the prophets in the church that Mm -hmm. we had somebody that was really gifted in hearing the Lord. Um, came to me and said, Hey, I got this idea and we should, and, and she started sharing, like it was a testimony at first. I'm like, we should turn this into a sermon. We should tag team this. Mm-hmm. And so we had this tag team thing going on. It was beautiful. It was great. And I had no idea that that was going to yeah, be my last sermon. Who knew that sermon. the pruning would look like what it looked like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, another thing is, uh, another person that, that, um, was very gifted had actually came to me and said, Hey, I have this really troubling dream. And it was about about new life that me and other others were standing out outside of the church and people that we didn't know were coming in and, and taking things and then leaving with them. And you're not in the dream. And I'm like, that's hopefully just too much pizza. Nobody's going to come in and steal our stuff. 
not knowing that that very thing would happen is that well they weren't stealing stuff they weren't stealing it but they but you know when the church d- dissolved it, the stuff that was inside of the church the sound system the chairs all of these things went to other ministries mm-hmm. to be able to help them right as it should have yes you know but again like this is a, there's all these things that are happening and the lord is speaking mm-hmm. but we're looking at it through the different lens of really what what God intended. Yeah. You're like, Oh, that's what it looked like. And so yeah. this is, this is a hard season and it definitely was kind of a crash, mm-hmm. uh, especially for me. I would, I, I mean, I'll just be real honest is that I did not handle this as well. My wife is a rock star and really helped get our family through a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, looking back now and this is, you know, kind of doing the soul searching of what happened in that season. For me, look, it didn't start the day that we resigned. Really, it, it was a couple years in coming mm-hmm. is that, you know, we had taken a sabbatical thinking that that was going to fix things to be able to take a break. And all it did is it kind of put the problems on hold and we didn't really deal with the things inside of us. I think we started to deal with things inside of us. Yeah. Like, really, I think we did do really good things we did put attention to things that we needed to start to put attention to it's just that it needed a lot more time than we could give it in that little window and so Mm -hmm. yeah in all reality that sabbatical was you know it was the start of things but it wasn't enough to bring us through to the healing point we needed to be to be able Mm -hmm. to lead our church through that as well so. Because the church, I mean, we came back and the church was, was in worse shape than when we had left. Um, the, the finances were, were kind of a mess, staff issues, um, and all those things. And so we had to come back and trying to work on us and trying to work on the church. It was just a lot. Mm-hmm. And it had been, you know, a couple of years of just running too hard, too fast, too far mm-hmm. without taking breaks, without taking, cause we weren't taking care of ourselves physically, emotionally. Right. We were not setting a good model for others to follow. And we got other people to follow us in this model mm-hmm. of not necessarily taking care of yourself. And that's when, you know, the cracks were definitely there because the, you know, Jamie and I took three months off, mm-hmm. but everybody yeah, else was working. In all reality, our, our church and our leadership was not set up to succeed in that emergency sabbatical so i don't fault them for not being able to you know for us coming back in in the church being in a more critical condition than when before we left and so um yeah so being that we had a team that needed to pursue health as well like we had started our own journey to health and our own processes and seeking out the help that we need through different things. And so in reality, we come back continuing to do that ourselves, but also having to lead a team of people to, you know, we're setting a new, um, we're setting a new culture of what health is going to look like. And we know we need to make changes. And in order for that to happen, our, our church is going to need to embrace those changes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know that we were even quite ready, you know, if we had the tools to be able to walk everybody through those changes, because really it was like if everything goes perfect, mm-hmm. like there wasn't really any margin, like if everything is perfect, we'll be able to, right. to walk this path out that the Lord put before us. And here's the thing, you have to leave margin yeah. in life. Like you cannot, like not everything is going to go as you hope it would i mean i'm not saying that as a like a negative thing to like project on situation it's just that 
that you have to leave room for things to to not go perfectly. <laughs> yeah, so we, we didn't leave margin. And when everything came crashing down, we, we just didn't have, there wasn't a plan B. Right. And so we were just left trying to figure what to do. Mm-hmm. And it just created really some stressful, hard days of trying yeah. to figure it out. I think the hardest part of it in that moment is the pain of feeling like we had no closure. Like, I think there's a Jason Volatin quote that he said that sometimes the best closure that we have or the only closure that we have is knowing that we tried our best and so that's what was so confusing that after a six-year season of feeling like we really did try to do our best like we we did the best that we could with what we knew you know and it's hard when you're all of a sudden faced with your you know realizing that certain things are unhealthy and you're having to lead at the same time that you're pursuing health and getting the help that you need and also walking your people through that like that's really challenging as a leader and so yeah so that pain of not having that closure you know there were also some labels being spoken of us that was hard that was really hard because they're not it wouldn't be by people to like the people that we hurt or people that were calling us these things wouldn't call them to our face it would be things that you would see you'd talk to somebody or even um they there'd be facebook posts yes facebook i had to honestly for a season uh, honestly i did go through and i unfriended certain people that you know i had to like evaluate like is this person really for me you know like but, you know, I didn't unfriend everybody, uh, but I did go through and I unfollowed certain people for yeah. a season or, I, you know, we made our accounts not public for a season. But because here's the thing is some people that were hurt on the other side of things were posting passive, passive aggressive posts d- directed mm-hmm. toward us with, you know, about, you know, it, some people it's really hard because the narcissist word especially is is thrown around so often um and i believe also at people that really are not deserving of that label like labels are so destructive and it's usually thrown around when we're in our own pain and we don't understand the full situation but we want to label somebody else that hurt us as this really bad label when really I just feel that we were in a moment of humanity of not having done everything perfectly ourselves. And it felt like we weren't allowed to be human. Yeah. So that was really hard. And see, in the midst of this, we, so we're, we're sitting there going, okay, we need to have some income. We have bills and things like that and going, okay, Lord, um, what would you want me to do? And so we're like, we didn't know if we wanted to leave Missoula, stay in Missoula. Like, we just, we didn't know. We didn't have even have the capacity to figure that out. Yeah, to we be knew honest. we didn't want to just make a decision super fast. And we, you know, we made a Facebook post to explain mm-hmm. that, you know, that we were, that our time was done, you know, and we didn't go into detail then. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't do what we're doing now to share the story. We kept quiet about it. But that, that honestly kind of caused a whole nother set of circumstances to come in that were really hard. Is that as soon as I put out that post, I had people um, texting me, calling me, and that's, that's fine. But I started receiving texts and phone calls about, hey, what are you going to do with the building? Yeah, that was really hard. Like that, like it, it, and and people are wanting, like, hey, I need a sound system. Can we? Because we we remodel, we had some good stuff, 
And people are like, can we have it? What are you going to do with it? Um, real estate is so hard to find, especially church space is hard to find. I had four different people calling me or text me saying, hey, can we have your building? Yeah, and it was it was almost within the first couple weeks of, of this happening. So it felt like you compared it to like it would be like your baby dying and then someone's reaching out to you of what are you going to do with the crib or something like that. Like, and that's exactly the way I'm it I'm not felt. saying it's the same as that situation, no. but we were grieving. We were hurting so bad. And then it felt like, oh, people just want things. And it's like it's not even ours to do anything with either. Like people should have been reaching out to, um, you know, our network and things like that. No, because we, we – we, we resigned. It was that next week. I sent in the letter. I took my name off of everything, mm-hmm. turned it over to the network, handed them the keys, handed them the financials. And we we helped as much as we could and probably more than, than a lot of people would. Like, we, it was still our, our baby. We didn't want to just drop it. Yeah, we helped go. them walk through that process and, and assisted with anything that we could to help them with that. Like, we didn't just drop it and walk away, you know, but... But then, and so, but again, there's still all these feelings that are attached to that. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just like that one more thing. And that you're surprised sometimes by the people that do call, but you're also surprised by the people that don't call. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, that was really hard too is that, you know, when you're going through a hard season, don't let the pain of the people who didn't call overshadow the people that did call. Yeah, because the reality was there were a lot of amazing people who did reach out, who did meet us with compassion and just were there to be present with us, not even to want to get the scoop or, you know, that was a beautiful thing. But it is hard in those moments because sometimes you want that from people who can't give it or or won't give that. And And it is revealing, you know, in those moments who your closest relationships or yeah. who who leg, who really does care in those moments and you know when you're in that that place of of loss you know i look back is that some of the most meaningful um, conversations we had is when we just had a few friends just come over and just sit with us mm-hmm. like no agenda they didn't try to encourage us they didn't want to know the story they're just like hey can we just come and just sit with you yeah and that really and there's a bunch of people that that, that did that and yes. it's it means the world like don't come in there with ideas don't come in there even sometimes with the next thing or the you know anything just go and just sit yeah because that's all i literally had capacity for i did not have the capacity to dream to pick up i mean we've had people coming back and saying look we're still with you like we still would have had a, a church yeah that, that we could have that we could we but we didn't have the capacity and that disappointed people yeah that's hard you know and i don't like disappointing people mm-hmm. and but we had to say look we don't have the capacity like we are too hurt and broken and we knew that there was things inside of us that caused these things like there's things inside of us that needed to be worked through mm-hmm and we weren't ready to start a new work. No, you know? we were not ready to move on to the next ministry opportunity or whatever. And we had opportunities. We had a larger church. You did co- have a couple people yeah. that reached out to you to let you know, hey, would you be interested in this? Yeah, and you know, both of them were really great opportunities. I knew both of the guys, and it, you know, it would have been instant ministry would have been instant finances it would have been a, a, but when we look back on oh man if we take the hurt and the pain that we have right now mm-hmm. 
and we go start like just knowing myself like i'm gonna get really busy i'm gonna pour myself into all these things i'm not gonna deal with any of the hurt yeah and that's what i would have done and you would have taken it with you unknowingly and i would have blown up another church there's no doubt in my mind because of the place that i was at emotionally spiritually physically it it would have been a train wreck for everybody involved let's own up to that like that is a common thing when people go through a tough situation, whether that is in a ministry position, whether that is in a regular job or whatever, it, it can be common just to, okay, well, that that's done. Let me move on to the next thing right away. And in all reality, you're carrying that baggage to the next place if you aren't going to deal with mm-hmm. that. And so we knew that was not what we were supposed to do. We knew that whatever we moved on to, we wanted to pursue healing we wanted to get healed up and not take that to the next place yeah so we we just said look we're gonna go get jobs and we're just gonna see we're gonna let let the lord provide yeah because we knew we didn't have any direction of what was next so yeah so for that summer and honestly we started seeking out positions like knowing that not knowing what for sure we would do we didn't want to take certain jobs that that an employer would be hiring for long term Mm -hmm. we wanted to honor whoever we were going to be seeking employment through and so like for you you were just just applying for different yeah i was actually offered a really good job with with a radio station in town that would have been enough to cover everything but it was a career type type job and i said look i don't i don't feel or i don't know if i'm gonna be here in three months i might be here three years i could be here 30 years but i can't commit to doing that yeah and so i i told him no and uh, so I just started applying for jobs. Jamie applies. She puts in one application. I, I worked to at one place. A, or I applied at a nursery, a garden center, like knowing it would be, just be a seasonal job because at this point it was like the end of March. So yeah. they this place was just going to be hiring starting for this the spring summer season. But so it was, was a like, perfect job for it you. It was a perfect job for me because I love gardening. I love flowers. I was like, I can go work there and learn and be in an environment that will help me through this difficult season as far as you know what I mean being able to um, be be doing something that I love and and it's not going to be a big commitment that I can't leave to move wherever God says move next so yeah and but uh, you were having a hard time you you had had many many um, interviews even I put out I, I put out 43 resumes I had six or seven callbacks for interviews and positions that I should have been qualified for. And yeah, I went in and I remember one of the hardest days was that I I went in for an interview at a sporting goods place Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they interviewed me and they said no. And it was for like a department head. It would have been a fun job. And then I put in another resume for this at the same company, but for a different department, I walk in, the hiring manager sees me and I see when like the look on her face, when she sees me, she's like, Oh, it's him. (laughs) And literally she takes me in her office and she just looks at me and she goes, yeah, I'm not going to waste your time. I don't think this position's right for you. Thanks for coming in. And I walked out, I'm like, what the heck? I can't even get a job as a cashier at a sporting goods store, let alone get a a real job. And so, I mean, that was just so hard. 
And the other really hard thing about this is this, this was in a season where people could not find people to hire. So this that, is like post COVID where, I mean, they, they can't, there's would, help wanted signs everywhere. everywhere. Like businesses are having to cut hours and shorten hours and shut down for days because they don't have enough staff. And Chris couldn't get a job. And so it was just really confusing. Like I didn't, I did not think any differently of him but you would hear comments from people and especially there was one time we were at a barbecue and someone made some sort of comment like if you can't get a job in this economy there's something wrong with you like and i'm like do you not realize who's in front of you like i didn't say this but in a way i wish i would have spoken up for my husband but it was really insensitive yeah that that was that was super hard to to be able to hear that but it was funny because it was on that last job interview that I went on. Um, I'm driving home. Um, I'm feeling just like the absolute failure. And all of a sudden, I hear the Lord. And it had been a while. And I hear the Lord say, I want you to sell your house. I want you to sell whatever doesn't fit in a U-Haul. And I want you to move to Reading. And I want you to go to BSSM. And I'm in this place where a lot of people will be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for speaking. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm like, whatever. Fine. I'm like, I'll do it. I, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. But I said, God, I am not telling my wife that I'm selling the house that we worked so hard for, that we spent like four and a half years scrimping, saving, fighting for. Like, we love that house. And I'm like, you're going to have to tell her because I'm not going to do it. And we, I, I get home. I don't say anything. And I think it's like three days goes by. And like, I'm not saying nothing. And then I walk in the house from coming from in outside. Jamie, I remember Jamie's sitting upstairs. She's sitting in her chair. She has her Bible out. She's sitting there. And I walk in and she kind of smiles at me. She goes, hey, sit down. We need to talk. Now, anytime your wife says, gives you that phrase, hey, we need to talk, it's always like, oh, no, what, what, what? And she goes, hey, I've been praying, and I think the Lord wants us to sell the house and move to Reading and do BSSM. And I remember when she said that, Man, I, looking back, I should have been just saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But for me, it was almost like, yeah, I know. Um, okay, let's do it. And I was still like, I just didn't know how to feel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was really interesting because it was like in that month after um, we had stepped down, it was like, it was like instantly the grace lifted. Like even being in our community, it felt like this isn't home anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, we had announced that we don't, you know, we have no plans to move away from Missoula because we didn't have any direction to move away from Missoula. But the reality that we were feeling was that that had lifted. That call to Missoula had lifted. It no longer felt like home. And so the Lord over that first month was definitely preparing our hearts to, you know, receive what he had for us next. And so, yeah, it was a blessing that he was speaking to both of us. Like we were hearing the same thing, even through our pain. Um, 
and honestly, I was really excited about it, but you, you were still, I'm still feeling like a failure. I'm still feeling all these things. And so we, we kind of go from this surviving mode to now, okay, we, we have to get a house on the market and the Missoula market was, was just, it went like we bought in a dip. Like we bought it in the COVID dip. We got the house at a great time at this perfect. I mean, the interest rate was so low. Um, it was more house than we could afford. It really was. The house itself was like a dream for us. Well, no, we could afford the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should clarify yeah. that. Like the, that the, it was, I mean, the house, it was a high price, but not the highest of the high. The no, high no, I mean, no, no, the no. prices were about to skyrocket and we bought when the interest rates were at the lowest of the low to where we could afford yeah. this house because we did have a sizable down payment that we had been saving and so yeah well and i remember one day i'm walking through the house and it hadn't been very long after we bought the house and i'm walking down the stairs and just really kind of like man thank you lord and i remember the lord saying you're welcome he goes but you're not going to stay here as long as you think and i'm like was that just me? Was that me not being feeling blessed because it was such a nice place? And, you know, looking back, the Lord had this house. I mean, this house was such a tool for us to be able to. The house was a gift to us way bigger than we thought because what was about to happen is that house, selling that house was God's provision to be able to bring us here, to be able to go back to school and do Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry and cover our finances. Which was a lifelong dream for us ever Yeah, we since. thought we would just retire and go do it for fun someday. But, you know, things changed. And you know what? We're like, we have more to learn. We a have more, more to experience. And why not? We've always wanted to go. And so, yeah, it was a beautiful thing that the Lord said, here you go. This is your opportunity. And this is how I'm going to provide for you to do that. And it really was the Lord's grace that I didn't get a job because in that meantime, as soon as we figured out that we were moving, I went into let's fix the house up mode. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought we had three months before yeah, we, we put thought it on we the would market. end up putting it on the market in like the end of May or, you know, early June, something like that. We had contacted our realtor yeah. and that was kind of the plan that, you know, she let us know, you know, call me in a month and we'll, then we'll get that rolling. What things actually changed because the interest, the interest rates started rates, going up. Yes, they were about to go up. And so it was like we had to be ready. And thankfully we were because we started early preparing, but we had to be ready to get it on the market sooner than we thought. I finished the last project. She calls me that next week. She goes, hey, when you guys leave? And I said, well, we want to be down there by, by middle. August 1st. Yeah. And she's like, I need your, we got to get your house on the market. I'm like, well, when? She goes, now yeah like, because it would have it would have we would have had more buyers because, than we did yeah because and people are wanting in, to buy it before and it probably meant rates. about you know 20 or 30k extra that we got by getting in the market in the time that we got it on there yeah and so all of a sudden it goes from me feeling like a deadbeat because i can't get a job but it really was god's provision because we wouldn't have been re- ready exactly any other way and so it's one of those other kind of god's gifts yeah so we were we got the house on the market we and honestly we we had it on the market for a week had a lot of people oh that were interested in it and putting in offers. And so we had, we had the pick of a whole bunch of offers to, to decide from. And honestly, like we, we bought that house at the right time because we were able to sell it (laughs) for way more than we bought it for. And, um, yeah. And then after we sold it, 
the provision was another beautiful thing of how God did it because we had to find a rental in Reading and rentals for a whole house are harder to find, you know, especially for a decent price. And we had a friend that lived, had previously lived in Reading for a mm-hmm. season that let us know of their uh, former landlord that had a house yeah. that had ju- was just going to be coming available for rent. And so you had a contact, thankfully, a direct contact to well, reach out. Well, the challenge out. was we had the boys. We have, we have two oh, dogs. Oh, yeah, we have two dogs, and we didn't want to get... I love Let my go buddies. Of our puppies, but anyway, this house had a yard, and um, you know it would have been a smaller house, three bedroom, two bath. We had a five bedroom, three <laughs> bath, but you know what? That's okay. And so we, um, thankfully, we secured this, but we had to start paying rent on it to hold it, even though we wouldn't be moving for a couple months. But the beautiful thing in the sale of our house is that we had had an agreement that we would have a free rent back <laughs> until we moved, and so thankfully, we only had to pay for housing at one place in, in any of those months. We weren't d- having to pay double. And so that was beautiful how God provided that way. Yeah. But yeah, thankfully you had the time to help downsize. We were selling tons of stuff on Marketplace. And, you know, so only so much will fit in a U-Haul, but the reality is only so much will fit in our next house. And so. But for me, the transition of trying to get my head around I'm moving was still just super, super hard, especially Mm -hmm. for a Montana boy to move to California. And so I'm starting to to definitely grieve more because like all roads pointed to Montana. I love Montana. I love the culture. I love fishing. I just love everything about it. And I'm being sent to a place that I didn't think I would like. Mm -hmm. And that was California. Well, a lot of Montanans struggle with Californians in general because a lot of Californians were moving into uh, Montana and buying up homes and driving the prices out is how a lot of Montanans mm-hmm. see it. And so... And bringing um, their politics and their weirdness and their anti But in all reality, it's mostly conservatives that are it going, really, it is. going 100%. to... But anyway, a lot of people were like, are you crazy? Why are you going to California? Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we're still trying to navigate all this stuff. And I actually, instead of getting better when we have the direction to go to Bethel, I actually get worse. And it was honestly one of the darkest times in my entire life was from, I would say, probably from May until August, September before we started school. Mm-hmm. And because at this point, my my relationship with my dad is really deteriorated again, that I'm still feeling these feelings of worthlessness, unloved, unliked, that I failed. I'm still dealing with all of these these things. And it got to the point where Jamie's looking at me and she's like, okay, instead of sitting around the house, go fishing. Like, this is your last summer in Montana. Go backpacking, go fishing, go do this stuff. And I just kept on saying, nah, no, I don't really want to do that. And really, one of the main reasons why I didn't want to go is because the depression was so bad, I kind of lost the will. But then I started to think about how I would how I would kill myself if I went out into the woods. Like, I started actually thinking, like, if I go out, like, they'll never find me. Now, I, I don't know that I was suicidal to the point, like, I'm not putting a gun to my head. But these thoughts that are, that are from the enemy are just, just coming at me all the time. I'm not sleeping. I'm not like, like I, I'm not coping with these things and like, I don't feel good. I feel horrible. And then I start just, you know, doing other unhealthy things, trying to dull and numb the pain. 
and and most of it because I would do stuff when when Jamie was at work is when things would get really really bad, and she had no clue. No, really, none of us knew how no. bad it was for you. No, and and you know the girls knew that stuff was up. Like I remember one time I'm driving down the road. I had to pick up one of our daughters from work, and I'm just driving one of the back roads, and all of a sudden I just I just have this break. I just start bawling to the point where I have to pull over on the side of the road. And my daughter's looking at me, and I'm like, she's going, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, just just give me a minute." And she was so sweet, and I because I'm apologizing, and she she's like, "It's it's okay." She goes, it's okay. And so, you know, all that stuff that's going on. And one of the biggest mistakes that I did, and that's part of how this podcast, why it even exists, is that if I could have just been vulnerable and honest with somebody, I think it would have made a huge difference in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know who to talk to. Like, I, I just I just didn't know. No, I was seeing a counselor over sabbatical, but a lot of the people that were in our church started going to him, and I felt like, well, I can't have this relationship with him. And I'm at this point, I feel the pressure of us moving, going to move to to Bethel, and like, hey, this is the will of the Lord, and I'm trying to get behind it, and just saying, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. This, you know, trying to be my own cheerleader and trying to talk myself into it, and so I felt like I had to hide even more. In the fact that, yeah, we're going to go do this thing and it's going to be great. On the inside, I'm scared to death and not even necessarily wanting to do it. But I want to be obedient to God in the process. Mm-hmm. And that's what's hard is that it's amazing how we can cover up for what we're really feeling mm-hmm. so that people around us don't truly know. Like we can get so busy, like you were busy getting ready to yeah you know, sell things and all the things that it was going to take to move. And so when we were in your presence, it was like you covered it up. Yeah. So we couldn't tell how bad it was. And so probably in our absence when we were at work or whatever, that's probably when you were dealing with that. And so, yeah, like we, we truly need to be able to be vulnerable with the right people to process those emotions and not get sink ourselves into that stuff but that's that's the reality a lot of people face that's that i'm sure that's very normal for when people go through those hard things and then just trying to cope through unhealthy things right like with me it it, it's it was like porn came back into my life and you know just like i gained a bunch of weight because i'm sitting at home and then you know one of the scariest things luckily it didn't last very long um but i had a tooth that i got um for some reason i got an infection in it and it happened on a saturday night i couldn't get into the dentist until monday and i remember it hurt so bad i took my daughters had all had uh their wisdom teeth out and so somewhere in the cabinet we had some painkillers and i remember you know i legitimately took it just because i i mean the tooth was just excruciating i took two of them and like oh i feel good and then all of a sudden it dawns on me halfway through i'm like oh i'm not thinking about this stuff and like i've never been a drinker i've never done illegal drugs i've never abused drugs i've never like that's been the furthest thing but all of a sudden i'm like this made me feel good and luckily it was part of it is i'm just i'm just cheap i don't want to get hooked on anything that's going to cost me money i don't want to be that guy we've walked other families through substance abuse especially with painkillers and stuff but there was about a week where i'm taking these things again i'm not getting blasted out of my mind but i'm doing it to forget you're doing it to numb the pain and and get a release in another way we've mentioned that in in the 
previous episodes that you've done with Caleb, like uh, talking about things like porn and things like that. People turn to that yeah. stuff in order to relieve pain or to cover up things like it's it's not something people usually want to do it's providing some sort of release and so it's it's not that you intended and wanted to dive into sinful things like you were legitimately hurting and looking for something to help reveal relieve that and so yeah and i didn't know about all this obviously in the midst of all of it no you didn't find out about any of that until october that that year yeah and so i'm walking through all this stuff and then this is a hard thing is that when you're a christian especially as a pastor that when you turn to sin all of a sudden there's this condemnation that just get heaped up even more it's like the enemy will tempt you and try to talk you into things and then once you do them he'll accuse you and show you how how worthless you are and all this stuff and and you're kind of left trying to figure out like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I'm, I mean, all these feelings are just there and you just like start believing all of these lies over and over again. Mm-hmm. So again, the, the, the Lord's providing, you know, in the midst of all of this stuff, in the midst of feeling unworthy and, and being involved in all these stupid things, God is still so gracious to us. Um, he set us up with financially with the sale of the house, but he also put us into a church with some amazing people mm-hmm. and that really helped walk us through a lot of these hurts and a lot of these pains. And it wasn't by them just, again, meeting or meeting with us and counseling us but it was just embracing us and just letting us come in and yeah, just giving us an open door like hey you're welcome here you're welcome here and so yeah because we knew we wouldn't be there long but we we our heart was not to disengage from church and to see church as this damaging thing that hurt us we wanted to stay connected and yeah. river of life church. They were such a blessing to oh, our kids as well. The kids, the kids had been in their youth group and yeah, just amazingly ministered to our kids and helped them process their pain resulting from all of that happening. Well, and Jason and Shannon, they met with us they and they did. just said, Hey, what do you guys, what, how can we best help you? What, yeah. what, what, what do you want? Yep. And you know, we're like, we just, we just want to sit and you know, the people in the church, we, we knew a lot of them because we've mm-hmm. been involved with, with them in a, in a previous season, a different church mm-hmm. and, and they're coming up to us and nobody ever said to go, Oh, look what you did or what are you going to, you know, it was no, more we of were, just, we were met with love and yeah. compassion and just them being excited to see us there yeah and then their youth pastors did such a good job of mm-hmm. reaching out to J- to jocelyn and madeline and, and jacob too yeah um and they were able to help walk through them and those kids wouldn't be where they're at and it wouldn't have been for that ministry and for those guys yeah they're a great church doing amazing things so yeah it came time through the end of july that we knew that we would be loading up the u-haul on my birthday actually that's right happy Funny birthday enough, we have moved on a couple of our family's birthdays we when we moved from michigan to minnesota or sorry michigan to montana it was jalen's birthday and this time it was my turn and so i think we moved on maddie's birthday and we moved to michigan oh i think you might be right yeah. yeah so anyway it was we knew we'd be loading the u-haul on my birthday and then taking off on august 1st to head to reading and so yeah, it was going to be the test to see, will it all fit? And thankfully, your friend 
um, in another church um, had a team of guys that were able to come down and help us load up that And what day. a blessing that was that because was they basically blessing. showed up. He shows up, pastor, he goes, I don't want you to worry about anything. We got this. And they did. They were amazing. It was like Tetris. It was amazing to see them load that thing and get it all. They made it all fit. Yeah. And so we, we hop in the car. We do the, the long drive to, to Reading and we show up in Reading and the day that we unhaul, uh, unpacked the U-Haul, it was 113 degrees out. Yep. And I remember just going, God, what did you just do? Why am I here in this place? <laughs> and Reading is very hot in the summer. It is brutally but hot. But it's dry. It's, it's a dry, dry heat. heat. <laughs> that helps. It really does. You, you will melt but into a once, puddle, but it'll be a dry puddle. Once you get over 110, it's, <laughs> it's pretty excruciating. But we... We show up, and it's actually the weekend of the... of. Yeah, it was the week of Benny Johnson's memorial. The pastor's wife yeah, had passed away passed earlier. Away that and, summer, and so, yeah. So we, the reality is, is we were going from a painful situation of our own, but the church here was walking through a painful season of losing their beloved matriarch. Yeah, and somebody who had, I mean, really, it, it, she was a, such a partner in what had happened in this, in this church and in this city, so mm -hmm. loved and to watch them walk through this and to watch pastor bill walk through it with such grace and poise yeah. and really still being able to point, um, hurting, but yet still pointing to Jesus and just to carry the peace that he did was really, and honestly, it really helped me to watch that, yeah. you know, this guy is grieving something far, far greater than I will ever know. I hope to ever know. And to see him do that, I'm going, okay. And, uh, so we, we take a month and just get settled. Yeah. We took that whole, we got there August 1st. So school wasn't going to be starting until after Labor Day. And so we, thankfully we had time to settle in, but that was, that was hard. It's hard getting ready to move. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard settling into a new house. You know, we're in a smaller house trying to figure out. Especially how when like we put everything in the garage to move into the house to try to have a peaceful, you know, kind of stage, but it's 120 degrees yeah, every single day in like that stink. Like I'm getting up yeah. at five in the morning to unpack boxes yeah, in the garage. You have to get up very early in Reading in order to, if you're going to be outside. <laughs> So we, we finally get to the start of school. It's like the thing that we're just wanting for, waiting for. And I still just did not know if I wanted to be here. I, I wanted to be obedient to God, but my heart wasn't here. Even Jamie a couple different times is like, do you even want to do this? Like there's some intense discussions between the two of us because she could see that I'm really torn. And Jane, like you were so excited. I was very excited. I mean, like everything, she's just like super, super excited. And I'm like dragging my feet. And I mean, that was the feeling is like her trying to drag this dead horse down the road. Because <laughs> it's probably the way it looked. And I remember showing up to that first day of registration. And we walk in and we meet our new pastor. Mm -hmm. And it was life changing for both of us. Yeah, we were immediately met with so much love from our re revival group pastor and his team of leaders. Like, we were like, who are these people? They don't know us, and they are showering no. with uh, us with love and honor. And it was like, you, you knew it was the Lord, though. This yeah. wasn't like human beings, like, flattering people or, you know what I mean? Like, you could feel the tangible presence and love of the Lord through 
these people. And I'm feeling still so broken, so unworthy, so unlovable. And I remember the first thing he says to, I don't know what the first thing, but like the first thing I remember him saying to us was he grabbed us both and he looks at us and he goes, he goes, I know that you like, and they don't know anything about no, us. They didn't know anything. Like I lied on my application. I told them how, how great, I, great I was, how excited I was. And I had no issues and all like, I lied on the application a hundred percent. And so he doesn't know any of the issues that that's going on. And he just looks at Jamie and I, and he goes, he goes, I feel like the Lord's telling me that you've been dishonored in a previous season and I'm going to do whatever I can do to honor you in this season. Yeah. Of course we broke down balling. Oh. Like. <laughs> and like, I've been crying a lot. I hate crying in public. I hate it, hate it, hate it. If you ever come to this place, kind of get used to it because it just happens. And I'm sitting there trying not to cry and I'm going, okay, this guy doesn't love, know me. Once he gets to know me, he's not going to like me and any of this stuff. And just a couple days later on Sunday morning, we're sitting at church and he sees us and like he comes, comes like running up from the front of the church. And I remember him coming over and he kind of goes to hug me, but then he just sits down and he like almost lays down on my lap. And I remember him <laughs> looking up at me and he goes, is this weird? I said, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> he goes, I just want you to feel loved. And that was just some of those things that I just needed to start breaking down because we felt so rejected. So like I felt so alone. Mm-hmm. And immediately, you know, kids are kind of, well, we call them kids in this podcast. Yeah, in all reality, they're, they're 20 and 30 year olds, they're, 30 they're kids to us. But we can get as old as we, we are. We respect that they are adults. It's just, we're older. But I'm, I'm going to call them kids and just deal with it. <laughs> and so we start hanging out with some of these kids and, and we, we had this ropes course thing that was almost right away. And... I remember going to this and they're calling all these things out and they're encouraging you. Jamie got called out with, you know, it's like everywhere we went, we started to kind of get called out. People started recognizing what we carry, not who we were, but well, who we are in the spirit. Not what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We stepped into an environment where people recognize you after the spirit. They see you as God sees you. They practice that. And so this was totally foreign for, for us especially after walking through our previous season. And so, yeah, like it was interesting because all of a sudden, yeah, people are calling, um, calling us out like that, like declaring things over us, like seeing things that we're destined to be that we are. Yeah. And so we're, we're at, we're at this ropes course and I remember we went through this and I was just having fun. It's like one of the first times I felt normal. I met Caleb on there and Andrew and other people you hear on this podcast and I remember at the end of all of this, they had the whole group, and there's about 60 of us, and they put us in this big circle. And people start standing up and just sharing things like, hey, I want to honor this that I saw you do, or I want to honor this about you. And we kind of start getting towards the end. And I remember one of the girls said, hey, Chris, I want to honor you. Will you st-? And they, everybody, you stand up. And when I, when she says, Chris, I want to honor you, everybody in our revival group, all 60 of them stood to their feet and just started applauding. They hadn't done that for anybody else. 
And I think that was like such such a key moment for me is because of all this shame, all this stuff that I was carrying, this feeling unlovable, feeling unlikable, even hating myself like that just disappeared. Um, not not forever, but it's like it it, it it just gave this sense like, okay, I belong and people still love me. And not for what you do or don't do for them. Yeah. There's a huge difference. 100%. And then to make it even better, they, they had a couple people in between and then somebody honored Jamie and they had her stand up and the revival group did it again. And I remember just sitting there just just sitting there just being blown away. It's like these people don't even know us. Like we haven't done anything for them, but there's already this love that's being poured out into us. And I think that was the moment that changed like going, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do like this year. And I knew like this year is going to make this all of it worth it. Yeah, the other beautiful thing is that we started receiving, I mean, we're in a culture where people, we practice um, hearing the voice of the Lord, obviously not just for ourselves, God speaks to all of us, but we can um, speak on behalf of the Lord by giving people prophetic words. And so, but the first week of school, I got called out by Chris Volatin of all people. Amazing. And I have never been called out myself chris has been called out and usually it's like oh and and this is your wife why don't you stand too well this time it was hey could you stand up what's your name jamie and um and is that your man next to you like (laughs) i'm like (laughs) finally i get called out and chris is a tag along no you're not a tag along i'm totally no and so all of a sudden chris is speaking things over my life that he saw that things that i had not honestly told other people that were in my heart that i felt called to but that i was afraid to step out in or you know was even questioning because well other people don't see this is this just me thinking that and so he's calling these things out and um and then he starts calling things out in you as well and so it was just it was a beautiful setup from god that all of a sudden we come into this environment where god is speaking destiny and life and his plans to prosper us and not to harm us you know give us a hope in a future just like his word says and so yeah it was just it, we knew we stepped into a season where God is going to shift this and turn this mm-hmm. for good. And so it was beautiful. Like, and, and it didn't end there. Like in any environment we were in, we would experience the same thing of people just speaking life over us and, and recognizing the mother and father that we are and not just to our own kids. Like we have amazing kids. We we, really do. We've (laughs) we've done a phenomenal job of, of raising them in case you're wondering, I love my girls. And I remember even when I was here, I I went to my daughters and because we could already feel this pull from kids and other people. And we're having it kind of people spoken over us. Like you're going to be mothers and fathers, like, but not just that, but like, you're going to lead movements and because of the fatherhood and the motherhood that you carry. And I remember going to my girls going, Hey, um, did I do a good enough job of being a dad to you that you'd be okay if I started being kind of dad to some other kids in our group? And all my girls are so gracious and they're like, dad, you've been amazing. And like, not that I'm perfect. I'm not trying to say that, but no, you know, but you don't have to be perfect no, to be a mother and father. No, it's just like, like I made a lot of mistakes, but man, I love my kids 
And uh, they're like, you know what? He goes, yeah, we'll share you. And so I just started developing these relationships, and we kind of stepped in that role. And it was neat because we just got to do things like we're not like we don't have to. No, and it was beautiful because yes, we were in a. We knew that we were going to be in this long journey of pursuing healing for ourselves, but at the same time, God was saying, "Yeah," and at the same time that you're pursuing your own healing and receiving that healing, you are going to be. Um, mothers and fathers to these people around you as well. You're going to be able to pour out what I have for them into these other people around you. Like you need them and they need you. Yeah. It's not like we're having to step in because we'd always been in roles and sometimes there's a pressure in that role. But here, you know, that's, that was a beautiful thing is that there was never any pressure and we got to do what was on our hearts and, you know, people just, Man, it was easy to love people mm-hmm. when there's no pressure. Right. And it really taught us and maybe some of the things that we've missed, you know, and just showing us about what it's like to just love people where they're at mm-hmm. and not always continually have to change them or do any of these other things. And that was so important to to this this journey. Yeah. You know? And so the, the other reality of this is that we it would feel like we would gain a lot of ground in healing and then we would have some setbacks. Yeah. Like a couple months in, I remember we were uh, took part in this marriage conference that we did for a week, <laughs> and in within this little um, conference that we did, they would put you in some small groups that you would be able to have conversations with to unpack certain yeah. things, and so um, you know we, each person had to take turns kind of sharing their story and things that they did previous to coming to BSSM, and one of the couples in our group had gone through a really painful season in a church and a lot of their pain was the result of from the leaders that they were with at the time. And so what happened is this all of a sudden was really triggering for us, like realizing, okay, this couple has experienced pain from their leader and it, it stirred up all these painful feelings of like, oh my gosh, I'm that person in their story. Like it was bad enough. Like I almost didn't go back the next day. Yeah. You were afraid to go back because the next day we were going to have to tell our story and it would have been the opposite of their story. And it was like, oh my goodness, we can't do that. Like we, our heart was like, is I like, I think of the prayer of Jabe as like, Lord, that I wouldn't cause pain. Like I don't ever want to cause pain to people. But the reality was, is that God used that as such a healing moment. I know for at least for us, but I think for them as well, it really opened the door for God to show his compassion for everyone in no matter the situation we've been through. Yeah, And we were able to see people in a whole new light of compassion. Like, obviously that's where we learn, like there's pain on both sides. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's not that, you know, that's where it was like, you got to be careful not to label people. And judging, you know, and trying to stay away from that. And so, yeah, there definitely was, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like, oh, we came to to BSSM and Reading and everything was perfect. Like it has been harder and more work. No, we had to face our stuff. And we were in in an environment where it was safe to address our stuff. That's what's beautiful. As a pastor, I was trying to fix other people's problems. And I never really took a a, a lot of time to fix my own. And now I'm not having to worry about like nobody else is my problem. Like I'm, I'm working on me. I'm working on my problems. I'm working on fixing me. And this is an environment where that is not that it's easy, 
but it's available if you want to do it. And there's yeah. lots of help along the way. Yeah. So, so yeah, we were gaining ground that way. That was a healing, um, a week of healing that we experienced yeah. there. But then not long after that, you had had some, a couple challenging things that popped up. So right in that, that it might even been that same week. I get this text message from somebody previous that was like this, almost like prophetic. God's going to, you have blood in your hands and God's coming after you because of all your sin. And that was really hard. And I remember I reached out to one of the leaders in the environment and I said, Hey, the, I don't, know what to do with this help me and he goes that's demonic and he actually called me and talked to me for about 20 30 minutes on the phone and prayed with me and stuff like that and i remember he had his advice and jamie's advice is like just delete it don't even don't even respond to it and the person who sent this was somebody that was like like a son to me and i said you know what i'm gonna text him back but i texted him a blessing like I, I pray that you'll be the, the the greatest prophet this nation has ever seen. You'll be the greatest, you know, father that that has ever happened. That you will have more than enough. Like I, I like everything. Like I did everything I could and every blessing I could think of. Of like I'm not going to send this back. I'm not going to hold on to this. Like I'm going to release. Like what the enemy wants to do to me to hurt me. I'm going to release more blessing upon him that the enemy would never want to do this again and that he would be blessed. And it was very freeing for me. Yeah, there was just a lot of, you know, a lot of things that just popped up along the way. Other challenges, you know, even challenges with with family or my dad just moving here to California, you know, basically kind of put that relationship to, to a stop and just not knowing why. Mm-hmm. But having to walk through this stuff even still and not getting either depressed or sad, but going, okay, Lord, what are you trying to show me in this? Yeah. Not dissociating from the pain, yeah. like, but actually go moving toward it with people, with the healthy, good people around us to help us walk through and, yeah. and for you to learn to be vulnerable with people. Like that, opening that was up was a struggle for you at first. It's well, yeah. I mean, it, it, in, it, it gets easier, but I'm still not perfect at it. It's like I have to work at it, but now it's not like you or somebody else trying to pull it out of me. It's like saying, okay, this is the way I feel. Okay, this is messy. And I know that not all this is true, and I probably shouldn't feel this way, but I'm just going to tell you how I feel, mm-hmm. and let's just unpack that and figure out where we're at. And yeah. that's been the challenge even between you and I, mm-hmm. like trying to get this right. And it's not it's not perfect. It's not easy. But when you have a person like me who all my life where I have not felt like I could share anything with anybody, it, it's it's definitely freeing. It's definitely what the Lord is, is wanting because if you try to keep all this stuff bottled up and you never share it, you, you just pretend like everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Yeah, the reality is that you have come into an environment and with a group of people that you feel safe. That's really important. No one wants to be vulnerable with people that are scary, that you feel like they're going to use whatever you have to say as ammunition. you know. And so you have been in a safe spot with trusted people yeah. that you have been able to learn to be vulnerable with people. Yeah. And people seeing those things. Like I remember, um, I, I was able to meet with a couple of the other leaders in this environment. Like they took time out and I'm mm-hmm. like, why would you do that? And they're like, you are worth it. Yeah. We definitely have experienced great favor mm-hmm. with people giving us their time in order mm-hmm. to 
Yeah. And not taking that for, for granted, you know. So I, I found myself starting off this summer um, was like going, man, I'm st- I feel like I'm still a little bit stuck. And I remember sitting down with one of these guys and I explained to him like, man, I still feel stuck. And he's like, and I said, can you help me? He goes, probably not. You, you probably need counseling. <laughs> yeah. So you did go back. I, I had started counseling. counseling this, this winter after kind of all that, that first round of stuff. And then I decided like, okay, I'm ready to face some other things. And I think that's important is like, we've got to be ready to, to deal with some of this stuff. And so at the beginning of the summer, I started going back to counseling and, and it really made all the difference in me mm-hmm. and in my summer and actually was, has a lot to do with why we're even doing this podcast. You know, this podcast has kind of been therapeutic in a way too, because it's given us an opportunity to talk about these things as a couple. It's given us opportunity to begin to create things and to do things. Yeah. And really to use our story, owning our story yeah. and turning it and using it for God's glory and, you know, his testimony in our life and to be an inspiration to other people that are stuck in their situations. But yeah, so you, you pursued counseling. Um, just let's stress again the importance of prophetic words. Like prophetic words carry a grace if you're willing to partner with them in order to move forward in the destiny that God has for us. And so, yeah, like you mentioned, you, you struggled at the beginning of summer, but it was like almost like after graduation, we had to decide, okay, what are you going to do now? Like yeah. without the people around you, the leaders around you deciding, you know, you know, or organizing what we're doing. And so when we hit summer, we decided that, you know what, this season we are going to steward the prophetic words that have been spoken over our life. And like you said, the people encouraged you to dream and to step out into doing what you felt led to do. And this podcast was put on your heart to do. Yeah. Something that I had always wanted to do and never either felt like I had time or I had anything to say. And, uh, you know, now it's just given us the ability going, you know, we do have things to say, you know, there is a calling on our life to be able to, mm-hmm. to, to move forward. You yeah. Know? And so also this summer I stepped out into doing scary things, yeah. <laughs> scary things in a good way. I yeah. will mention like, that's a big part of what we've had to face in this last year is that things that we're not comfortable with doing, we're scared to do, but we know that it's part of God, what God wants to do in developing us for what he has on our life. And so for me, it was like, I, I had gone through a season where I lost my voice. I felt like, especially in the last painful thing that we went through, it, it felt like to me that people didn't value me. I yeah. felt thrown away. Like the pe- my best friends walked away in all reality. So I had to learn to trust again. I had to learn to be vulnerable with people, with the right people. And so I had to take steps to letting God activate my voice once again, to seeing my value in him. And so I, I, I applied to do a summer internship with one of the ministries here. And and that was so good for me to face some of those fears and take those action steps to partner with those words over my life. And so, yeah. And then I also took a risk this, this summer. Some of you know, but some of you might not know. I have another, um, 
Instagram account. I guess it's on Facebook too, but it's, uh, I, it's called a dwelling place. I actually started in the middle of 2019 and where I would just share like, um, scripture, inspirational things that God had shown me, revelation he'd show me. And I, it was just kind of a place where it felt less risky to learn to become myself and what God's called me into being. And so, um, and honestly though, when we moved into our new house in Montana, it kind of also was like, almost like a home account as well, because that is on my heart. I love hospitality. I love creating a comfortable home and a cozy home and all that stuff. So it was kind of both. And so, but this summer I um, decided to step out and to do uh, teachings on the book of Proverbs. So every day in the month of July, I decided that I'm going to walk people through Proverbs and maybe no one will watch, maybe one will watch, but it doesn't matter about who's watching. It was a way that I could steward what God's put on my life and take a step and take a risk and just put it out there and not worry about what people think. And just, it's, it's a way that I can be developed with what the Lord's put on my life. And so I did that. And honestly, I was surprised at some of the people that did reach out and say, oh, these are so encouraging. And I love that you're doing this. I'm watching, I'm following along. And, you know, and so it was part of me learning to trust the Lord and to don't despise the day of small beginnings, you know. And so, yeah, so I, I, that's what I did. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, you had mentioned that we had um, turned to some unhealthy things in the former season. One of those things was not taking care of our bodies physically. Mm -hmm. And so also the other thing that we focused on this summer was establishing healthy habits of, for the way that we ate, um, taking time to rest. And so honestly, um, this summer was like the sabbatical we'd never got yeah, 100%. previously that we tried to take. It felt like the real sabbatical that we needed. And so, yeah, we did not work jobs this summer. And I'm sure some of you are like, what are you doing? Like, so yeah, it is a step of faith. We still have savings. <laughs> it is it's diminishing as as it by was. the month. <laughs> but um, the, we are trusting that the Lord has provided for this season, that his, his intentions are for us to get help healthy before moving on to whatever he has for us next. And so that is part of us learning to steward that. And so, yes, we've incorporated eating right, exercising, sleeping well, Mm -hmm. all those things, and also pursuing emotional healing and health, all that stuff. So that was really important over the summer. It was needed. I mean, we're just just going on a a bad track. And plus, man, you look smoking hot. I mean, I'm just telling you. So do you, babe. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. Every time I walk past that mirror, I'm like, who is that sexy man? But yeah, it's so important that we learn to take care of ourselves like it's it's so easy to get so focused on all the things that have to be done that we put all those healthy things we should be doing to the side and Mm -hmm. think oh i'll do it later i'll do it later in reality we're not prioritizing what's most important we're going to be no good to anybody if we're not taking care of the body that god's given us Mm -hmm. to our soul to our spirit you know we have to take care of it it is ours to steward so this really is a new season of trusting the lord you know and people keep on asking us what's next what's next like i i know that i have school on monday (laughs) and uh that's as far as i really know which for like if you know me you know what a miracle that is it's like i'm really focused we're as a family just really focusing on not 
rushing the season. Right. Like this is a season that we're in. We're not rushing past this. So we're not going to like, we're going to embrace this because I don't want it. Like I'm never going to have this season again, mm-hmm. nor do I want this season again. Like I want to continue to move in what God has for me. And so people are like, well, are you going to go back to pastoring? I don't know. Are you going to go do this? I don't know. Maybe I'll become a professional podcaster. That's all I do because I make so much money from <laughs> We talking. are doing what God has put in our hands for 100%. today, and we are doing that to the best of our ability. But we have open hands. Yeah. If God wants to shift and say, go here, do yeah. this, try this, we are positioning ourselves to be obedient to him and listen to his voice to be obedient to him. And yeah, so we are expectant, but we are not expecting it to look like anything specific. We have no idea what that's going to look like. Yeah. I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what the Lord has. We're not opposed to being pastors again, and we're not opposed to doing anything. We're just saying, God, you know, because before we kind of pigeonholed him, I said, Lord, I'll be a pastor in Missoula, Montana. That's pretty narrow. And now we're going, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just thankful that the the journey that God's had us on to bring us through healing and to continue to pursue that. I don't think that we're fully there. We are still continuing that journey, but we didn't walk away with a bitterness towards the church, with a bitterness towards mm-hmm. people. It's been a healing process in walking through forgiveness and truly what the enemy meant for evil, God has turned for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's stretching us, you know, he's stretching us as we step out and serve and honor him. But, you know, he is not disappointed. He has not left us. He's not forsaken us. And that's my, my encouragement to you that if you're going through a hard season or you've been through a hard season, don't rush things. Don't jump into the next things. Wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Let him open the doors. Don't sit there and try to pry it open yourself, but wait on him. Mm-hmm. And he's worth waiting for. Yeah. It's really good. Well, I... Thanks for listening to us. We're going to get back to some, maybe some other fun content. It won't be the story of the Richardsons for a while, but we thank you for listening and walking on this journey and uh, appreciate, really do appreciate you listening. It's fun to watch. There's, you know, we're getting great results from, from our little podcast here. Yeah. Don't forget to give us a rate, rate our podcast review. Um, subscribe to it. Like all those things really help us. Yeah. It's finally, we're finally starting to show up on, on some of the, the search things. So yeah, if you could rate, like, and subscribe, that helps us mm-hmm. a ton. Follow us on social media. Yeah. Yeah. We're, just help us get the word out. If it's helped you, like yeah. I, if it's not, don't worry. No, no skin <laughs> <laughs> far back. Listen to it once and move on. <laughs> but anyways, this has been a fun healing journey yeah. and uh, yeah. Tune in next week. We're going to have a really cool podcast for mm-hmm. you guys. So, Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And follow us on social media. And never forget, you're not alone.